The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So we are recording the Zoom, but the uh, Gabe Keller Flores, our office manager, he won't have your video showing. Um, so I'll try to remember to repeat any questions that you ask back. So that will be recorded so that people who listen to the class later uh, will get your question by my repeating it. Or if I forget, then Gabe will write it out so people will see that. And I think I've mentioned several times, we learn a lot from having people check in, both in terms of your sit tonight, and it might be nice for some of you to check in about what you learned when we were doing the more directed part of the practice, what you learned when we were doing the more open attention, non-directed part of the practice, what was challenging, how did you work with those challenges, what, what felt really right or what felt like learning, you saw something about the nature of the mind or the nature of experience that you hadn't seen before. And we collectively learn by hearing different people check in. So I, I'd encourage you not to be shy. And I think with this size group, you can just go ahead and unmute yourself if you'd like to begin, who would ever like to begin. And if two people unmute themselves at the same time, I'll just try to keep track so that somebody else can go next. Who would like to begin? What have you been learning? What's felt challenging? What questions are emerging in your practice that you'd like to bring up? Thanks for sharing, Shannon. That's really good to hear. And I'd encourage you, this you know, we might think that this one-pointedness that we did at the beginning is something really just for meditation times, but actually it lends itself for daily life, like doing one thing at a time. So when you're washing dishes, you can practice, like another word we use in Buddhism is absorption. So, or maybe a more useful word is the unification of the mind. So generally the mind, the kind of ordinary mind is quite dissipated where we're sort of the mind heart is pulled in different directions likes and dislikes it's distracted it's superficial but when we unify or gather the energies of our heart and mind and do just one thing like be aware of the breath coming in or be aware of washing dishes then we're dropping everything else we're not thinking this worrying about that noticing we're giving the full heart, mind, body to this one thing. And it's, it's a good way. Now, not every activity lends itself to this. But this is more like the depth or the unification as opposed to the breadth of awareness, which is more like what we did at the last third of the sit tonight. Yeah, other thoughts that come to mind. Somebody wrote here in the comments about um, practicing with the eyes open. It seems to help combat sleepiness. 
and mind wandering. Absolutely, and I'm glad that's, that this person noticed that because sleepiness, as a lot of you know, is a very common hindrance to meditation, and it may be related to not getting enough sleep. But even when you're getting plenty of sleep, sleepiness can be a formidable obstacle to deepening of meditation. So one thing you can do, sit up a little bit straighter. That can help bring some energy in. Another is like this person is suggesting opening the eyes. And this is also true if you're having a lot of dreamlike or where your mind is getting attracted to different mental images that are coming up because your eyes are closed, you can really stabilize the mind by opening the eyes. Because this, you don't, you're not actually looking around, but the visual field is sort of grounding the mind in the present moment. It's less likely, the mind is less likely to be seduced by its constructed mental images. And then it's off. And you know, the mind, just like the thinking mind is just spewing thoughts, it rarely stops. Have you noticed? But the related to the thinking mind creating verbiage, the, there's another aspect of the thinking mind that deals more with mental images. And it just keeps spewing mental images, one after another. A lot of them are ordinary. Some are seductively pleasant. Some are maybe horrific, just like our thoughts. But that's what that part of the mind does. It's just generating content, whether it's in the form of mental images or the form of thought. So if you're getting a lot of that flow of mental images and your mind is constantly getting entangled, getting identified with those images, then open your eyes. It can be really helpful. There's nothing about meditation practice that requires the eyes being closed. Although it does help with this uh, one-pointedness where we're using a directed meditation because reducing sense experience helps the mind just keep that one mental or that one meditation object in mind. Just like having a quiet room to practice is helpful. Closing your eyes can be helpful for that style. Yeah, other comments, questions that have come up? Things you'd like to share with the group about what you're learning or what's been hard? Do the best we can in terms of choosing the time, choosing the place, how we negotiate with the people in the house or the apartment. And then we let go. And so once we've done our best in terms of you deciding when you're going to sit and, you know, how, all those um, different parameters, but once you've done your best, then after that, everything that happens is a teacher. Like Shannon mentioned indigestion, you know, or heartburn, or it could be a disturbing sound or our neighbors got their Harley Davidson out and making a lot of noise. It could be any number of things show up in our practice a disturbing memory, pain in the knee. But at that point, you know, we've done, like we thought about the, how we're going to sit and all that. So then when physical pain arises, then it arises as a teacher. Oh, this is being known. Can this be okay? Like, does my mind, my heart have the capacity 
to make peace with the sound of the children or to make peace with the idea that my partner was supposed to be taking care of this or something like that, right? So, and then we practice like, oh yeah, can this just be something being known? And if the answer is no, like the reaction is really strong, then okay, so the mind is reacting. Can that be okay? So I'm losing it. My mind is losing it and I'm noticing it, and I'm noticing what that feels like in the body, can that be okay? So even if we have to do that a few times, I'm really hating myself, I'm thinking that I'm a real failure at this, well, can that be okay? I never should have taken this class. Okay, doubt, resistance is being known, can that be okay? So that's what happens, like, especially if we're doing the open meditation practice, we're just sort of letting it rip. So that reactivity is the next object being known. But even if you're doing the one-pointed practice where you're directing the attention back, it's still going to get drawn to those noises and then to the mind's reaction to those noises, right? There's nothing we can do. The mind will notice unless the concentration is really deep. So when the attention goes away, we notice that it's gone away. If we notice we're reacting, we notice that. We make peace and then we come back to the, to the anchor. And there's a lot of value. Like we, it may not be a pleasant experience, but returning over and then the mind going back to thinking about the kids. And then we come back and the mind goes back to thinking about the kids. So even if we're doing that a hundred or a couple hundred times in the course of a 30-minute sit, that attempt to notice what the mind is knowing, to notice the hindrance, to notice the distraction, to make peace with it. Oh yeah, that's what, this is what's happening. Feels like this in the body. Can this be okay? Well, yeah, kind of. Okay, what else? Let's come back to the anchor. That little exercise that we do dozens, hundreds of times is really powerful training. It may initially feel like oh, I'm bad, but no, no, that's actually the retraining of the mind to realize that the kids are making sounds, somebody should do something, and I'm putting down my obligation as a parent right now. Right? That's a powerful move to come back and then to get drawn back in to the parental role and then to come back. And the, right? There's a lot of learning what letting go really is. And that's a lot of what we're doing. It's the same thing with memories that might be intruding or thoughts about the future. You've got a big day tomorrow and that keeps showing up during the evening set. And then you realize, oh, obsessing about what's going to happen tomorrow. Feels like this in the body. Seductive. I feel the draw to go back into the content, but I'm going to come back and feel the body sitting. I'm going to feel the next breath coming in, the next breath going out. That's the work. Thanks, Sean. Other thoughts, other learnings you'd like to share with the group? Yes. We'll dig in a little bit more next week, but there's real power in being able to name what's active, what's dominating the mind. It's like the old, you know, 
um, in the Dark Ages, you know, when they, th you know, about dragons, once you know the name of the dragon, you've got some power. And it's the same thing. Like once you know what's dominating the mind, what's seducing the mind, because in a way to know that there's doubt happening, the wisdom has stepped outside of the vortex of doubt and now sees doubt as just a natural phenomena in the mind, in the heart, in the body. Oh, this is what doubt feels like. This is what doubt looks like. This is what anger looks like. It's really important to be able to step out of those little self-dramas and recognize it as just mental, emotional, and bodily activity being known. And we're not dismissing the different emotions or different reactive patterns. We're actually being, this is how we learn how to be intimate with it. Because that's actually what, like anger as an example, that's what it is. It is that emotional, mental, physical experience being known. What else would it be? And that kind of radical simplicity of, oh yeah, this is being known, is very empowering. Surprisingly so. So let's take Sally's comment as a cue to really explore that this week. And just in general, and I wanted to make this point earlier before the sit, um, it's usually week three where I encourage us all to just get curious about the attitude of the mind, the mood, the different qualities that are there. So if you can, really resolve like tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and Tuesday, just really resolve two, three, four times to ask yourself, What's the mood now? And just to, <clears throat> you know, just a moment during the day and also during your formal sitting time, just to check, well, what's the attitude of the mind like right now? Like, is there frustration or is there lightness and joy? Is there doubt present or is there clarity? Is there contentment or wanting? Is there kindness or aversion? Right, we're just sort of curious, like, What's the particular texture, shape, quality of the mind right now? Like even right now. How's your mind right now? What's it like? What's the mood in the mind right now? And it's a particular talent. Like because we always feel like we're judging ourselves when we sort of turn the awareness back toward the mind. Like, oh no, I better, I better clean up. I'm going to look. So, you know, pick up the underwear and make the bed or something like that. But we want to get used to being interested in the quality of our own heart and mind. It shouldn't make us feel self-conscious. It shouldn't feel weird to notice the mood, right? It's always surprising like when your best friend knows your mood and you don't, <laughs> or your partner, right? Like, how can that be? Well, we know other people's mood more than we know our own mood. Other thoughts that come to mind? Sandy, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, it sounds like what you're describing because it's, it's always hard for us to put into words the happiness of seclusion. And we often describe it in terms of energetic experience. 
but the you know the question as much as you can tell is it pleasant i mean certainly it sounded like from how you described it that that is a pleasant experience is that true yeah the characteristic like i said but it's a different kind of pleasure than eating ice cream or watching a fun movie or even hanging out with friends right so yeah. it's a non-worldly pleasantness and this is the pleasure of seclusion and the thing is once we get a little bit of that gathering of the heart and mind you know from not from distractedness toward in the direction of non-distractedness there's a gathering or a unification of the heart and mind everyone's going to describe that a little bit differently but over time with practice you're just to learn that territory and the key is as it starts to feel good feel right like a mental healing heart healing right the coming together of the heart and mind i like the word stability there's an inner stability or grounded quality like the heart mind is held but not in a tight way but in a really beautiful way we want to notice and appreciate that pleasantness of that cuz that will that will support the deepening of that stability of that concentration noticing that it feels right wholesome and good supports the deepening of concentration if we don't if we're not mindful of it then the then the nice quality will cause the mind to sort of do rifts on the pleasure so we actually success in unifying the mind can lead the mind into more distraction because it doesn't know what to do with the good feeling so it starts to think and plan and imagine because it's got all this nice feeling this nice energy so by noticing it then it feeds it's like part of the gathering of the mind is noticing it's almost like now we're not just being aware of the in breath and the out breath but we're noticing the joy the calm the joy the ease of being unified with just the meditation object and like you said sandy it can also happen with open awareness practice because it's really about the continuity of present moment awareness it isn't about the specific object it's about the continuity of present moment awareness or the absence of distractedness that's what leads to that that wholesome unification of the mind and heart nice to hear and that's inspiring for the rest of us time for at least one more person what else have you been learning what challenges have been coming up and remember next week in particular be good to bring some of the so-called obstacles like what is it that's getting in the way for you in daily life and in your formal sitting time what's getting in the way of the continuity of mindfulness but any uh, less sharings or comments questions i'd like to Yeah, thanks Rebecca. Well, it's totally okay to use some of the guided meditations, but it is a bit of a crutch and we do want to learn to be independent of the crutch of using 
somebody else's instructions, but it's definitely something to take advantage of maybe, but if you're doing it, I wouldn't do it every day of the week. And remember that the important thing is every day, every week that we're learning something and learning doesn't necessarily mean we're having a pleasant set, pleasant meditation time. It might feel really distracted, but there might've been a lot of learning even though the mind in a sense was all over the place, but we were developing good habits of acknowledging what was moving in the body, what's moving in the heart, learning that the terrain of the hindrances and being able to identify, oh yeah, there's greed in the mind. There's aversion in the mind. Yeah. And then, um, Yeah, just that that confidence, like taking a little time at the beginning of a sit, especially when you're not using a guided sit, and just give yourself a refresher for two to three, four minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've set aside this 30 minutes. What am I doing? And mm-hmm. your recitation to yourself won't be perfect, but it's a way of getting more and more independent in the practice to be able to give yourself instruction. And here, this gives a, this is a beautiful segue for the last two minutes. Um, I'll give you another little set of instructions. Because remember the first week I said just two qualities, alertness and relaxation. And we were using that like if we got distracted, okay, all I have to do is be alert or clearly aware and relaxed. Clearly aware of what's being known and relax, allowing it. But now I'm going to make it slightly more complicated. And I'll send this to you in an email um, so you can look for it. I'll do it right after the class tonight. This simple acronym of RAIN, R-A-I-N. It's quite common. Tara Brock, many other teachers use this, have been using it for years. And there's slightly ways you hear about it. So the R in RAIN means to recognize what's being known. Right. So recognize what's being known. And then the A is accept and allow. It's like relax. So recognize what's being known. Allow it to be what it is. I is to be interested, intimate. And the N, you can't really do the N, but you can notice it when it's happening. When you're doing the first three really well, you're recognizing what's being known. You're allowing it. There's real interest, real intimacy then you'll notice the mind lets go. That's the non-attachment. That's the end in RAIN. So recognize, allow, interest, and the realizing moments of non-attachment. Non-attachment has the flavor of freedom. That's the like a nice definition of Nibbana or Nirvana. Awakening is realizing a moment of non-grasping, non-attachment. So the mind, the heart is intimate, right in the moment, engaged, but there's no friction of attachment, no struggling. The mind isn't in conflict with what's coming and going. Engaged, but not tight. Well, really nice to be with everybody tonight. Appreciate the, the great comments and questions that came up. 
And then next week, uh, Tuesday, we'll be digging in a little bit more about obstacles and the five hindrances. So see what you can learn this week. Bring your comments next week so we can learn from each other. Wish you all a good week. Hope to see you down the road. Take care now. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.